Now, when it comes to core worldview topics such as life, marriage, race, gender, and materialism, should it be Christ or culture that decide on our convictions? My guest, Dr. Carol Swain, will be talking to us about countercultural living. Dr. Carol Swain is an award-winning political scientist and former tenured professor at Princeton and Vanderbilt Universities, is a distinguished senior fellow for constitutional studies with the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and an educational advisor for American Cornerstone Institute founded by Dr. Ben Carson. She's an expert on critical race theory, American politics, and race relations. Her television appearances include ABC's Headline News, BBC Radio and TV, NPR, CNN's AC360, Fox and Friends, Judge Jeanine, The Ingram Angle, and Tucker Carlson. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood, Dr. Carol Swain. It is such an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure as well. Now, you just uh, released a book just on this topic, Countercultural Living. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Well, the book was actually commissioned by a church, and it's one of 12 books in a series. And I'm the only contributor, I believe, who is not a theologian. And what I did in the book was use parts of my life story, my own testimony to illustrate uh, those topics. And so the topics are life and that deals with uh, abortion as well as physician assisted suicide, euthanasia and, you know, suicide in general. Uh, There's a chapter on marriage. And I can tell you that I've not been very successful at marriage. I've been divorced twice. There is a biblical way uh, because for myself, I got saved late in life. And so my life was not countercultural. There's a chapter on race and ethnicity. And I talk about in the introduction being uh, born and raised in Virginia. And Virginia has a rich history when it comes to race. And I've lived long enough to see the passage of the civil rights bills. Mm -hmm. Uh, In that chapter, I talk some about CRT and and the church, uh, how the church has become so involved in social justice. Uh, The chapter on gender roles, where I talk about uh, what the Bible has to say about males and females and the role of the woman versus the man. And I also address some of those uh, more difficult issues for single women and the fact that there is a Me Too movement in the secular world, but there's mm-hmm. also a Church Too movement where women have been abused sometimes by male personnel in the church. And that's something that, you know, we don't sweep under the rug. We have to address, you know, that the church has its issues too, and that single women may experience the church differently. And when I had my salvation experience and came to the church, I came as a single woman. And so all of my experiences in the church, they have come from experiences of a single woman. And then materialism, like a lot of us may not think that we are materialistic, but uh, there are other ways where you can be caught up in the quest for fame or have other idols in your life Mm -hmm. that pull you away from God. And so those are the big themes of that, of the chapters. And it's a very short book and it has questions at the end. And it's short because now that I write for regular people and not just for 
political scientists or social scientists, I'm very much aware that people want information. They don't want a long book in some cases. There are people that love long books, but most of us are busy. And so it is a very short book. It's the shortest book I've ever written. (laughs) Wow, that's great. I mean, addressing all these different issues, it's so prevalent in our society these days, you know, talking about abortion, uh, racism, and, you know, you are the expert on critical race theory. Now, what is your belief in CRT? Well, I have I published two books last year and one was titled Black Eye for America, How Critical Race Theory is Burning Down the House. It was also written, you know, for regular people, for the public. And it explained what CRT is, where it comes from, how it manifests itself in our society, why it is Mm anti-Christian, anti-civil rights, anti-constitution and anti-American, I would argue. And Mm -hmm. there are two chapters on how to fight back. There's a glossary, appendices, and a lot of strategy in that book, which is also short, but it's longer than the previous book. The previous book is really meant to equip people to fight back against CRT. And critical race theory is a worldview that argues that uh, in America, that the country is racist, that that is part Racism is in the DNA of the country, as well as in white people, that all white people have undeserved advantages and that only whites can be guilty of racism. And many people have likened CRT to a religion because white people are expected to confess um, their uh, guilt of racism and their Mm -hmm. privilege. And it doesn't matter if they are descendants of abolitionists or people that ran the Underground Railroad or people that came to America long after slavery uh, had ended, all white people are expected to confess their guilt and to engage in the permanent work. There's no um, redemption of anti-racism. And it's predicated on the belief that only white people can be racist. All minorities are seen as victims. And um, they have pushed for uh, racism for minorities. Uh, mm-hmm. They have rejected uh, non-discrimination. They want discrimination in favor of minorities. They have rejected any notion of a colorblind society or that people should be judged by the content of that character rather than the color of their skin. And uh, many of the people who are into C- CRT and DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. they uh, very much believe in resegregation, affinity groups where people hang out with members of their own group and they separate themselves out. Mm-hmm. And it has taken our country backwards. I think it's a very dangerous ideology and it's unchristian uh, because right. we know from the Bible that God created one human race. Right. And, um, and that racism, as it's practiced, you know, throughout the world is not of God. And any group can actually be racist and evil towards another group. It doesn't have anything to do with the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what do you think it's teaching our children? It's teaching them several messages. One is to be conscious of race. And if you watch small children, if you have small children, mm-hmm. they're not naturally inclined that way. But there's right. an effort being made to make children see race. 
and to make white children in particular take on the guilt of their ancestors and also to feel ashamed because they happen to be born into the white race or they happen to have, uh, I want to say privileges, but I mean, if you're born into a normal family or family where you have two parents and you're not worried about where your next meal is going to come from or how the lights are going to be paid and um, you uh, your parents are loving towards you, mm-hmm. uh, you're made to feel guilty about that. Uh, and you're made to see your classmates differently. Mm-hmm. And there are some minorities, of course, that come from strong traditional families. Um, all of those people are treated as victims and it's teaching our children the wrong messages about race and about their classmates. Mm. Now, why do you believe it's so controversial from a Christian perspective? Because it's just totally anti-Christianity, according to the tenets of what God says about race. Mm-hmm. And um, it uh, is rooted in Marxism and yeah. conflict theory. And if you really study uh, Marxism, you know that the whole concept of social justice, which has worked its way into many churches through liberation theology and various um, theologies related to that. Right. Even some, you know, feminism theory that's supposedly rooted in uh, Christianity. It's not grounded in uh, scripture and it divides people Mm -hmm. and it makes people engage in works. And it treats racism different from other sins, because we know, according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we all sinners and we have to confess our sins, repent, turn away from our sins. And then we are washed clean or we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And we don't have to engage in the permanent work of whatever sin we we engaged in. Once we repent and we turn away from it, then we're good. Uh, according to critical race theory and social justice, as is taught in the church, whites are forever guilty and uh, they must forever you know, confess their sins. And in some ways, some churches have gone really overboard mm-hmm. having their white parishioners or guilting them out to the point where they're begging their black brothers and sisters for forgiveness. And I mm-hmm. happen to be a member of the Southern Baptists, uh, and that's a denomination that true, it was founded, you know, with people that did not support into integration. So you can say it was founded in racism, but over the years, they have apologized numerous times for the mistakes that they made in the past. And there have been written, written apologies, there have been ceremonies, individual mm-hmm. churches have done it. They have constantly apologized and they're not receiving the forgiveness that's offered through the gospel, through Jesus Christ. And whether you are a racial and ethnic minority or a white person, once you confess your sins and repent and turn away from what you were doing, once you receive the forgiveness that Jesus Christ uh, offers you, then you are no longer on the hook and nor should you hold anyone else in bondage because of what mm-hmm. you think they owe you if you're truly forgiven them. And there's no place uh, for this work of anti-racism being permanent in the sense that it's being taught like white people are forever guilty. It doesn't matter what they do. Uh, Racial and ethnic minorities get a free pass. They can do or say whatever they want. That's not racism. And we know that a lot of the hatred 
And a lot of the uh, crimes that are taking place, many of them are being committed by racial and ethnic minorities against whites and against Asians and against each other. Mm-hmm. And we have placed ourselves, boxed ourselves into a situation where we are not calling out that evil as evil we are turning a blind eye to it. And that's mm-hmm. to the detriment of minority communities as well as the society as a large, mm. at, at large. Wow. Yeah, that's that's so true. Now, Dr. Carroll, obviously schools are talking about this. The media is kind of blowing it up as well. As parents, how can we help our children to understand, you know, from a Christian perspective versus the worldview? Well, I am a strong proponent now of homeschooling and classical Christian education Mm -hmm. in those classical schools. And I believe that parents should teach their children about history, but they should teach the true history of America. And when they do, it's a very positive story of people coming together. When you think about the abolitionists, that there were always white abolitionists and there were white people that risked their lives setting up the Underground Railroad. There were white philanthropists that set up black schools and colleges and universities, you know, across the nation. And uh, the story of black America is a story of black Americans and white Americans working together. Mm -hmm. And um, our country has been imperfect. But we've always tried to do the right thing when it was pointed out, you know, that we had engaged in a in a grave injustice. We've tried to do the right thing and that the civil rights movement was the combination, the culmination of so many things. But it could not have taken place without whites and blacks and people working together across race, ethnic and religious lines. That's the true story of America. So I think parents need to make sure that uh, they're speaking to their children truthfully mm-hmm. about history, but at the same time, they need to go to the Bible and what the Bible says about race and what the Bible says about man, what the Bible says about nation. They should make sure that their own children know right from wrong. Right. And that is uh, the responsibility of the parents. And we focus a lot on CRT, critical race theory, while we're doing that, the public schools and many private schools are also teaching critical queer theory right. and exposing children as young as five years old mm. to the idea that they can choose their own gender. Yeah. That they may not be a little boy, a little girl. And uh, they encourage, um, you know, to be queer friendly. Right. So there's an agenda there. Uh, And as a consequence, you see children questioning whether they were born in the wrong body. And you see states um, not supporting the parents who might want to get some type of psychiatric treatment for their children with gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. Uh, You see the states encouraging small children uh, and teens to do uh, sexual reassignment where they actually uh, mutilate their bodies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're not protecting our children. Right. And that's so sad. I mean, it really breaks my heart to see that schools are doing that and just hearing all kinds of different stories. Now, you know, for parents who are unable to homeschool or unable to send their children to a classical education school, how should parents get involved in 
the children's education. I mean, I know that we try to model our behavior. We try to share the Bible. We share. To, we try to share the truth about who God is and creation, what God created, and why, and etc. But they're still going to go up into the world. And obviously, as parents, we just have to pray that God gives them wisdom and discernment, right? But how else should parents get involved in their children's education? I mean, like you said, schools are talking about critical queer theory now. And critical feminist theory in a way that male students, boys, are sort of being demonized because uh, and made to feel inferior and they're being told that they are oppressors and mm-hmm. they're being told about toxic masculinity. And so mm-hmm. they're trying to make our women, our men are effeminate, our boys effeminate. And that seems to be part of an agenda as well. And I think that all of us, whether we have children in the public schools or the private schools, we have an obligation to be involved with the culture, being that soft and light. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, for parents whose children are in the public schools, uh, if you don't discount the power of prayer, you know, for your children and for other people's children. And so if you're Christian parents, uh, you know, have your prayer groups. That's one thing you can do, but also be involved the way Moms for Liberty, Moms for America, mm. I think a million moms. Uh, there are all these uh, mother organizations that have sprung up around the country and fathers are involved too. And they are organized. They're very much involved in trying to elect school board members, trying to hold the schools uh, accountable. And then they should arm themselves with facts. And that's what I try to provide parents with in the my critical race theory book, Black Eye for America, a lot of what is taking place in the schools and in the workplaces now is creating a hostile uh, workplace or learning environment. Mm-hmm. And that would be contrary to our Civil Rights Act and um, the Constitution. And so some of the activities that they are doing, uh, I believe that there is a legal and constitutional way to challenge those and that our parents need to teach their children to be on the alert and to help them gather information when to know what is right and what is wrong. And when mm-hmm. the teacher or the administration engages in behavior that's wrong, to promptly report it. And I think that's monitoring the school systems is something that we all should do. Right. And we should be involved, even if we are homeschooling our own children. Right. We should be looking out for the children that are left behind. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. My other question is, what should parents be aware of? There there are other things that are taking place that children are being exposed to books that um, that talk about suicide Mm -hmm. and they may glorify suicide in some sort of way. They are being exposed to books uh, that uh, have sexual material and maybe uh, the books about animals. Mm. Uh, There's one about seahorses and how they mate and the political left loves that book because apparently the male seahorse cures the babies. And so they're using that to, to emphasize gender fluidity. Wow. Is, that word? is it fluidity? Well, that sex, that gender is fluid. That's what mm, they're trying mm, to mm, emphasize. Mm-hmm. But they're using the seahorses as examples. And uh, the people on the left will argue, and they argue vociferously, that CRT is not being taught in the schools. And they will say, well, 
they, they list the founders, Derek Bale, Kimberly Crenshaw, Richard Delgado. These people are not being taught in the schools. Well, what is being taught is that, you know, Black Lives Matter, all of these organizations that are pushing agendas, they have commissioned books that are age, uh, I, I'm going to say age appropriate, but not uh, age appropriate. <laughs> they're not they're not age appropriate. But what they've done is taken these ideas, these controversial ideas and distilled them into children's books that have great graphics and they're short and, you know, and they look uh, like the kinds of books that you buy for your children. Right. And in some cases, the teachers are not allowing the books to go home with the children. So the parent may not even see the books. Mm. Fortunately, we have have teachers in the inside that have shared the curriculum and that have shared some of these books with parents. And that's how we know what they're doing. But uh, they should be aware that uh, they can try to monitor their children's homework. One reason why a lot of kids are not getting homework is because the teachers and the administrators don't want you to know what's taking place in the classroom. Wow, that's horrible. I mean, it just makes it so much more important to really, truly build a connected relationship with your child so that your child could tell you everything. And I think that uh, even Common Core, a lot of parents were frustrated by the new math and Mm -hmm. uh, teachers were telling uh, the, the students that if they didn't get the answer the right way, you know, using the new math, Mm -hmm. that they would uh, be marked as wrong. And so they set up a situation where parents could not help their children with the homework. In fact, the the kids didn't want parental help because they knew they would be graded down, uh, not because they got the answer wrong, but because they got it using the wrong approach. And Mm -hmm. so old-fashioned math that uh, the parents were taught that gets you to the answer they were not allowing parents to teach their children. They wanted it done in a particular kind of way. And that was a dividing, that was driving a wedge, I would argue, between parent and child because parents have always helped their children with homework. Now, all of a sudden, you hear kids saying, I don't have any homework, you know, mm-hmm. that they're doing all the work in the classroom. And we know from the pandemic that there were teachers that told their told parents not to listen in on their children's lessons or. Wow. I didn't know and, that. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and of course that caused the parents to listen in. Right. And so course. one of the silver linings of the pandemic was that the remote learning allowed parents to see uh, and really comprehend what was taking place mm-hmm. in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have such a huge backlash against CRT and the parents that are they're not just fighting critical race theory. They're fighting a uh, critical uh, gender theory, mm-hmm. critical queer theory, critical feminist theory. They may not know and call it by those names, but they are fighting those adult ideas that are being taught to their children. And in some cases, uh, people have argued that they're grooming our children for pedophiles because they're sexualizing them at a young age and making it seem acceptable. Well, Dr. Carol saying that's just... Um... A lot of information. <laughs> I know. Uh, heavy information. It is. It is a lot of heavy information, you know. Um, now, we're almost at the end of the show, but I would love if you have any kind of any other gem nuggets that you'd like to share with parents out there and any kind of advice, encouragement that you could share with the parents. I really appreciate it. 
Well, I mean, for Christian parents, we know that God is in control. Mm-hmm. He gives you responsibility over your children. And so there is a movie that's coming out March 14th, a documentary film that I was involved in called Whose Children Are They? Mm. They are your children. God entrusted you with your children. I highly recommend that film that will be playing in theaters, I believe, across the country. You can go to that website, whosechildrenarethey.com to get more information and you'll get some ideas about how to fight back. But they're your children. God entrusted you uh, with them. And so you have to be that strongest advocate. Now, I have one last question before we close. What would you advise for parents who, let's just say, you know, their kid has maybe been homeschooled, but yet they do take classes out there and they make other friends who may not necessarily be a believer. And obviously we are to be salt and light. And if that friend has been exposed to all these different teaching, what would you say to the parent whose kid is a good friend? to the other kid. And obviously as a parent, you might be a little bit fearful, like, you know, oh, I don't want my kid to be with, you know. This happens with relatives too. Uh, And so when you have a family reunion or any type of family gathering, you have all kinds of relatives there and your children will get exposed to anything and everything. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, we should not shelter our children so much that they are not aware of what the rest of the world does and what the rest of the world thinks. Mm-hmm. And even though you might think your child is innocent and you don't want to talk about sex with them or those kinds of things, you know, maybe they're eight or nine years old. I think that um, if you want to be the person that introduces them to these ideas that, you know, you have to do it. You have to deal with it at younger ages today because they're going to be exposed to it. And, um, in church, we focus very much vacation Bible study, uh, Jesus, uh, sharing the gospel, but they also need to learn about the other worldviews that they're going to be exposed to so that when they hear it, it won't sound attractive because they're hearing it for the first time. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Swain, for coming on the show. I'm just going to close this out in prayer, if you don't mind. All right. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. I thank you for Dr. Carol, Lord God. We just thank you for all her gem wisdom, Lord God. I pray, Father, Lord, uh, for what's happening in our world right now, Lord, what's happening to you know our children and how the enemy is trying to destroy, Lord God, the next generation. I pray that you would raise up this next generation to be the Joshua's, to be the Davids, to be the Esther, to be bold, Lord God. Give them a discerning spirit. Give them the wisdom that they need, Lord God. I pray, my God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would use every parent to be salt and light, that they would not be timid about your faith, Lord God, that they would share about who you are, about your truth, Lord God. And Lord, we just pray, God, that you use us to be light, to expose the darkness, Lord God. We just thank you and praise you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. Thank you again, Dr. Carol. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guest. Most importantly, I hope you'll find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. 
He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully made in him. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.